0: Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Good morning. Um, today's reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. This is the word of the Lord. My chosen value is we're together in the highs and lows. We're authentic and vulnerable with one another, showing up as our real and perfect selves. We celebrate in good times and show up in hard times with prayer, caring, and support. Hi, my name is Tom Rose, and my family and I have been members of Knox for 24 years now. We've had so many highs and lows in in 24 years, um, from the adoption of our son, Jack, to the death of my father-in-law, Pete, and our Knox family has been there for us all the time. I mean, for every event uh, they've been there. A couple of things stand out. Um, One was uh, when my wife, Lori, was recuperating from surgery. She was also, she had a toddler in the house, and molly bruschetto just called her out of the blue and said what do you want from starbucks and just brought it over and left it at the front door and it wasn't so much the coffee as it was the just the thought that somebody was there thinking about her, praying for and gave her the coffee Um, the other one would be probably in 2005 um, i had two small heart attacks and jack was just three years old and our small group got together and they watched Jack so the Lord could come to the hospital. They made meals for us uh, while I was in the hospital and then again when I was out of the hospital and they covered us in prayer and it, it just meant so much to us to feel, uh, to feel that love from all of them and to, to feel the prayers and the strength from the prayers and it, it got us through a, a really tough time. We've also experienced many high points uh, here with our Knox family. Um, The one that that comes to mind the most is when Niels and Renee De Koning were sworn in as U.S. citizens. And we were able to, to go down to the city with them and to experience that with them and just to see the joy in all of the faces of those being sworn in was, was tremendous, but to share that with our, our good friends was, was very special. Um, and our small group, we've experienced many highs uh, together from weddings and uh, new babies, to even some have uh, grandchildren now, and it's just wonderful to, to share that with our Knox family. I think Knox is, is in a great place right now to continue to, uh, to reach out to one another, uh, both in highs and lows. Our society now is moving at breakneck speed. It's just, everything is moving so fast. And there are people that are going to be left behind or people that are going to be left out. Um, and just a smile or a kind word or a cup of coffee. To, to help people know that they are part of this family and that they're loved and that there's people that are supporting them. Um, I think we are uh, definitely known for being a, a, a welcoming and a, and a friendly church. And I think I only see that getting, uh, getting better.
1: There's a book I came across some years ago called The All Better Book. And in this book, Elementary School, children are asked to solve some of the world's toughest problems. And one of the questions posed to the kids was this. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system in which no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Kalani, age eight, writes, people should find lonely people and ask their name and address. And then they should ask people who aren't lonely their name and address. And when you have an even amount of each, assign lonely people to non lonely people and print it into the newspaper. <laughs> Gift of administration, this one. Max, age nine, writes peculiarly, make food that talks to you when you eat. For instance, it would say, How are you doing? And what happened to you today? Then, very sweet Brian H7 writes, Sing a song, stomp your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so I do one of these. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system in which no one is lonely. Well, there's never been a greater need for a system such as this. Researchers are now saying that America is facing what they call a loneliness epidemic. More and more people are reporting that they're lonely. More and more people are reporting that they, when they're facing a difficult circumstance in their life, they are hard pressed to name even one person. Truly, people are saying they have one or fewer people that they might call when they are feeling lonely. And loneliness, it's not good for us. Loneliness takes a toll. It's been shown that lonely people are three times more likely to die than relationally connected people. So what are we doing with all this talk of exercise and eating well and quitting smoking? I mean, research says if you made it your New Year's resolution to join a small group, you would increase your life expectancy, you would double it over the coming year, right? So New Year's resolution, go to Taco Bell all you want, just don't go alone. (laughs) Being lonely, it's not just bad for the quantity of days we get to live here on earth, it's bad for the quality of those days. Lonely people get less sleep. They get sick more often. Lonely people are more likely to get depressed and less likely to make it through a major operation. Loneliness is a problem. Doctors, researchers, social workers, therapists, they all agree that it's a problem. What they don't agree on is how to fix it. What we do about it. With billions of people in the world, someone ought to be able to figure out a system in which no one is lonely. Well, as it turns out, someone did. That someone is Jesus. And what Jesus did was he founded the church, the body of Christ, the family of faith. We are Jesus' solution to the problem of loneliness. The Apostle Paul, he was both a direct beneficiary of this system and its most passionate proponent. Those of you who know Paul's story know that after his own conversion to Christ, Paul traveled throughout the Mediterranean world telling people all about him. And as he told people about Jesus, Paul founded churches, little communities that could keep the faith alive in that given place. And then once that church was established, he would leave and go tell more people about Jesus and establish more churches. And so then, after he left any particular community, what Paul would do is he would write letters. And in these letters, he would encourage the churches that he founded to continue in their fidelity to Christ and their commitment to one another. And so we're going to read a passage from one of those letters. We're going to read today from Colossians, chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore... And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we are in the middle of a sermon series we're calling Kingdom Values. It's a six-week series, so we're right smack dab in the middle of it at this moment. We are thinking this year about how we live out this new vision statement we've adopted as a church to love sacrificially, serve generously, and seek Jesus together. And the question we are posed with as we encounter that statement is, how do we do it? How do we, the members of Knox, make this vision a reality? Part of the answer to that question lies in these values. We've talked about three of them thus far. Service is hands-on, we cultivate curiosity, and kids grow here. Today, we encounter the fourth of our six values, and you heard it just moments ago in the video, but I'll recap it again. It says this. We're together in highs and lows. We are authentic and vulnerable with one another, showing up as our real imperfect Selves. We celebrate in good times and show up in hard times with prayer, caring, and support. You know, <clears throat> that research about loneliness that's out there, the saddest thing about it to me is it cuts across all religious lines. There are people of all faiths who feel lonely. There are people who are Christians who are committed followers of Jesus Christ who are lonely this ought not be so but it is so it is so in the wider christian world and it is so here in this church there are people maybe some of you today who yes you say i am a follower of jesus and i'm lonely this has happened in part, I believe, because we've forgotten one of the essential tenets of what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I think we can all agree that, yes, it is true that the gospel invites us to come one by one to Jesus Christ, to come and be saved, transformed, forgiven by him. But what we can sometimes forget is while we are called individually to come to Jesus Christ, as soon as we say yes to Jesus, we're not just called as individuals, but we're pulled into this community of people who are also saved, transformed, and forgiven by Jesus. Yes, the gospel calls us to come to Jesus as individuals, but it also invites us to come and be part of a community. The two go hand in hand. That is the full picture of the gospel. I want to be very clear about this. Scripture leaves no room for this idea of being a Christian without being a part of a community. Christian and community are one in the same. But I know there's a lot of people out there who have trouble with this. In our world today, there are a lot of people who are open to God who are not so open to the church people who don't want to be identified with those people. They like Jesus, not so much the church. And part of this is an understandable reaction to some pretty terrible things that have been done, some pretty terrible things that are being done by people in the church. We know that Jesus is perfect, but we also know, the rest of us, not so much. We are all sinners saved by grace. We are going to mess things up more often than not. But even still, here's where we need to pay attention. The writers of the New Testament, they were not naive. They knew full well how imperfect the people in the church could be. Sometimes people will say something very silly. They'll say, you know, what we need to do is just get back to our roots, get back to being a kind of a really New Testament church. You know what that tells me? They haven't really read the New Testament, because that church was messed up. Like, if you read some of Paul's letters, his words are really nice in this Colossians passage. Some of the rest of his letters, not so nice, because people were messing it up. Every single person who has ever said yes to following Jesus Christ has entered into a church and has messed it up. My dad, who was a pastor, he, (laughs) I can't believe he did this, but he literally used to say in a new member class, he would tell these people like ready to join his new church, he'd tell them, if you ever find a perfect church, leave because you're gonna mess it up. But it's true. We just need to know. I am going to mess it up. You are going to mess it up. That doesn't mean we walk away. And in fact, the New Testament says, and it gives us instructions and encouragement for how we dig in deeper. And the way that the New Testament gives us that instruction is it uses this one Greek word. Over and over and over again, you see this one Greek word show up, and it's the Greek word allelon. English translation is one another. Fifty-eight times this word shows up in the New Testament, and it is always paired with an action word, with a verb, a practical way we are to live out, live through, live in the imperfect people that the church is comprised of. And this passage from Colossians today, the reason we chose it, is it is chock full of alelons. It says, bear with one another. Forgive one another. Listen, you don't have to bear with or forgive perfect people, right? But we're to bear with one another. Forgive one another. Teach and admonish one another. Be at peace with one another. Sing with one another. Give thanks with and for one another. Love one another. This is how we can be together in the highs and lows. With Jesus at the center, we, one another, one another. Right? We live out these 58 alelons. And since, as you know, we like our three points around here, I'm going to get pretty practical here of how we do this with three Categories: three ways of living these out, uh, that it can be grouped into three different categories and then you've got lots of different ways to do it. And those categories are presence, practical help, and prayer. So the first way we live together in our highs and lows is by the gift of our presence. This means making actual contact with one another, being there. You know, it was Woody Allen who said that 90% of success is just showing up. If we want to be able to experience being together in highs and lows, the first and simplest step is just to show up. So that means making it a priority to come in person to worship on Sundays and, and giving yourself time when you get here, either beforehand or after, to talk to the people that you've been worshiping with. It's making a commitment to participate in a small group. It's carving out the time to bring your kids and teenagers to Wednesday night or to the parents of preschoolers event next week and, and then maybe sticking around to help out. It's making a phone call. Getting together for coffee or a meal or going on a walk. If we want to, one another, one another... If we want to be together in the highs and in the lows, it starts with being present. You know, it's interesting, at the church where Dave and I served before coming here, we worked for years trying to start a vital small group ministry to no avail. We just kept running into walls, and the main wall we ran into was people's busyness. You know, we'd call somebody up and say, "Hey, we're going to start a new small group. Would you like to join?" And the most typical answer we'd get is say, "Oh, that sounds so great. Thanks for inviting me, but I'm just too busy." You know, I, I would love to spend some time being present to other people, but I just don't have time. And then COVID hit, And all we had was time. And so very quickly, we were able to form 10 or 12 small groups who were meeting weekly via Zoom, but spending an hour or two together every week in Bible study, in prayer, in relationships. Before COVID, they didn't have time. But I will tell you, now, even after COVID, all of these folks, now, like all of you who have all re-gotten as busy or busier than we were before, they're all still in these groups. Every single one of these groups still exists. A couple of them have multiplied because they have experienced the power of each other's presence. Before they didn't have the time, now they make the time and they're not willing to let it go. The first step of being together in highs and lows is to be present to one another. And then it's when you are present to one another, then you can learn the ways that you can offer practical help to one another. Because that's the thing about being in each other's presence. You start to get to know the things that are happening to one another, the good and the bad. And as we get to know those things, we naturally want to help. Romans 12, 15 says it so well. It tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. I think about that command this way. Dave and I often say that we got into the ministry because we were told there would be no math. Math is not our strong suit. But I have one quasi-mathematical equation that even I can understand. I think you will too. And it's this. Joy... Shared, is multiplied. Pain, shared, is divided. Right? Joy, when we share it with one another, it's multiplied. Several months ago, Dave and I were meeting some new friends at a restaurant in downtown Naperville for dinner, and when we arrived, we saw there was this little group of Knoxers there, having dinner together. As it turned out, they were celebrating together. A number of them had recently retired, and so they were celebrating that together. Great way to multiply joy, going out to dinner. Highly recommend. And so Dave and I thought, you know, we'd we'd have a little fun with them, and so we pulled aside their server secretly and said, we want to pay for their meal. And we thought we were so cool, we were so kind, we were like the best pastors ever we were winning at being together in highs and lows. So then we had our meal with our friends, had a great time, and then we went to get our bill, and wouldn't you know it, those dang Knox members paid for our meal too. (laughs) Joy shared is multiplied. When we share in each other's joy through practical acts of service, it's multiplied. So, share in each other's joy. Send the card. Attend the party. Offer to bake the cake. Buy the bouquet of flowers. When one of your brothers or sisters is celebrating something in their life, make a point to do one practical thing to share in their joy, and you will find both of your joys multiplied. Joy shared is multiplied, and pain shared is divided. You know, it can happen sometimes when we hear about somebody that we know going through a hard time, the silly head, thought enters our head where we think, well, maybe what they really need is space. I I just need to give them some, some space. Or we can sometimes get afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing, so then we don't say or do anything at all. Please let me assure you from my own personal experiences of pain, Something is always better than nothing. Even the tiniest little somethings can make a really big difference. After my dad died, I cherished every single card I got in the mail. I was surprised by that, how much that meant to me. And I still remember one card in particular because, truly, it was from a man in my church who literally bought the card, signed his name, put it in the mail. That was it. And that was enough. That meant so much to me that he took the time and the energy and the thought just to sign his name on a card. Other times when people are going through pain, what they need is not a piece of mail, but maybe a meal. Never underestimate the power of a casserole or a DoorDash gift card. So one of the most painful things, I think, about being in pain is how normal life has to just keep going like normal. And some of the simplest tasks become the heaviest burdens. So one of the best ways that we can share in and thus divide pain for one another is to offer practical help. Just take on some of those tasks. Do their laundry. Clean their house. Run errands, provide childcare, offer your practical help. Now, there's an old saying in preaching that there is a point in a sermon where a preacher stops preaching and starts meddling. So if you want to know when that's going to happen in this sermon, it's now. Because there's been some interesting conversations I've had with a few of you over the last couple of months. When you have been going through something, you are the kind of people when a need, any need is made known to you in this church, you say, yes, I want to offer my practical help to others. And then something happens in your life and you say, no, I do not need any practical help from others. If this is making you squirm right now, I might be talking to you. Because let me ask that question. Do you need practical help from others? I'm going to answer it for you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And if you don't need it today, you will someday. And just for sake of argument, even if you quote-unquote don't need help, please know that there are people out there who need to give it. They need to be able to serve you. It serves them to serve you. The joy that you feel when you are serving someone else, they need to feel that joy too by serving you. So if you can't do it for your own sake, do it for their sake. Receive the practical help. If we are going to live this value out, being together in the highs and in the lows, we need to offer our practical help to one another and we need to receive practical help from one another. The street has to go both ways because joy shared is multiplied and pain shared is divided. That is how relationships in the kingdom of God work. End meddling. One last thing. Prayer. This is truly where the church does some of our best work. No club, no counselor, no therapist, no support group does this. This is what we do here in the community of faith in the church. We pray for one another. This is so especially important when we're going through hard times. I'll tell you, when I'm good, When life is good and I'm filled with praises, I have no problem praying. I can come up with hundreds, thousands of words to to pray to God my thanks for all the blessings that I perceive in my life. I'm good with prayer. But when I'm struggling, when I'm in pain, I will tell you it is difficult to pray. It is difficult. I don't feel like I have The words, I sometimes don't feel like I have the faith to pray. Some of you know this. You know this all too well. You know that it is hard to find the strength to believe in God, let alone talk to God when you are crushed under the weight of something like grief or depression. In those times, we need the prayers of others to get us through. And we are so blessed here at Knox. We have such faithful prayers here. We've got a prayer team that literally gets together every Monday and prays through this exhaustive list of every prayer request that you give them. And beyond that group that meets, I know so many of you are such faithful prayer warriors in your own time, lifting each other up to the throne of grace. I know it because I have been the beneficiary of some of those prayers, and I'm so grateful. You know I was talking to a member of our church recently who was going through a particularly difficult circumstance, and he told me he told me he could feel the prayers of this community sustaining him through that circumstance. And he made the comment. He said, "You know, I don't know how people get through things like this without a church family." And I had to tell him, "I honestly don't know either. billions of people in the world someone should be able to figure out a system in which no one is lonely that is what Jesus came to do that is what Jesus is still doing through the church through us through the body of Christ as we are together in our highs and in our lows being present to one another practically helping one another and praying for one another, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on
0: how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxpres.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.